Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn it to the chapter of John, the book of John, chapter 19. We're going to pick up where we left off. Kristen alluded to this, and I'm glad she did. She didn't know what I was going to say, and I didn't know what she was going to say. But it's important, listen, just for those of you that are purist at Christmas, there is no Christmas in the Bible, okay? And those of you that are purist at Easter, there is no Easter in the Bible. Don't exist. There is the birth of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ that we call Christmas, but it's not called Christmas in the Bible. It's called the virgin birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. So make sure that titles don't get us hung up when we talk about Christmas. Yes, there's different beautiful colors that we use, but as you can see throughout our society and our cultures and different cultures, the further we get away from the virgin birth of Jesus Christ in time, the further we get away from the biblical truth of Christmas. For just a couple of years ago, no one would even say Christmas, and I think we're getting back to that place. Uh, uh, very Merry is what uh, I think one of the stores I was in last night, I think Walmart has that. Very Merry. They won't say Very Merry Christmas because when you say Christmas, you've got to say the name of Christ. So, you know, President Trump made a big deal. Hey, say Merry Christmas. And he pushed all the uh, retail people to say Merry Christmas, and Merry Christmas was brought back, and everybody said Merry Christmas again. We're all happy, and now we're back in to don't say Christmas because it offends people. There's a story even uh, this week of uh, Virginia Library taking all Christmas stories out of their library because it's offensive. Well, can I tell you today, the name of Jesus Christ, our Christ, is offensive. Amen? But for those that are saved by his name and by his blood, listen, this story is a story you must tell over and over again. It is the true, pure joy that we have to say Merry Christmas. We know what we mean when we say it. So I won't say don't stop saying Merry Christmas because that's the whole purpose that we have our salvation. But don't stop at Merry Christmas. You can't have Easter without Christmas, all right? That's what we're talking about today. Make sure we have the virgin birth. And even this week when I was teaching the virgin birth in class, and I know there's children here, a lot of questions were asked this week that got me into a bit of a, y'all need to talk to your kids when they get older is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, because how can a girl be a virgin and have a baby? It's impossible. It's impossible. But Mary said, all things are possible with God because God ordained this. Now, Jesus didn't have a waiting body, right? He didn't have just this waiting baby cocoon that he was going to inhabit. He became an infant, just like you and I. He started, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. He processed through the nine-month process like most humans do. And he lived a normal human life, being 100% man and 100% God. Did Jesus bleed? He had the ability to bleed. Yes. Did he stump his toes? Or did he just call rocks out of the way when he went to fall? He just moved, right? Soft landing. He didn't do that. He was human, 100% human. He bled, and I believe he cried. Well, I know he cried because the Bible says Jesus wept, John 11:35. He had emotions like you and me. 100% man, yet 100% God. And we say, how can that be? I don't know. I just believe what the scriptures teach. I believe when you read the word of God, you'll have a clear understanding of who this God that we say that we serve. Well, did Jesus have brothers and sisters? Well, we have record that he had brothers and a sister. We don't know if he had more than one, but we know he had at least one sister and brothers because of the story of the account. They were not virgin born. And our Catholic friends, if you grew up Catholic, you were taught the perpetual virginity of Mary. If that ain't so, once you have a baby... The second time, the natural way, just for the record. If you're not, I know there's still kids here, 
but she was not a perpetual virgin. She was a virgin when Jesus was born because God used her as a special vessel. Only happened one time in history, never happened again, never will happen again. There was one lady that, it's been years ago now that she, her, her daughter got pregnant. She says, I don't know how she got pregnant. It was, it was miraculous. It was immaculate conception. And I'm like, that didn't happen. Otherwise, the child is God Jr., right? God number two, right? It's just a way of denying sin nature of the human body. Now, we're going to get into and look at with the, there's sinful people all through this story. This is the Christmas story, by the way. This is the story of God. God's plan, God's purpose, because God didn't have a, oh, let's stop for Christmas and let's stop for Easter. It's all God's story. It just continues through time that we, as we celebrate because even the Lord's Supper, we say we remember what he did. He doesn't get to the cross until he comes to the virgin birth. Amen? So it's all one story. Let's not separate it to two stories or three stories or a time that's convenient for us that we like better than the others. It's all God's plan, all God's story. Even John today, as we read this passage of Scripture, telling the truth so that you may believe. This is what the title of today's sermon is. This is the very words that John said to those that he's writing to. And who is he writing to? To you and to me. To anyone who would listen. To anyone who would read the Word of God. To anyone who would come to the place of believing. I think we've commercialized Christmas so much that we talk about the presents and we talk about the trees and we talk about, listen, we often talk more about our Christmas tree and how beautiful our Christmas tree pageant is, right? Our Christmas dramas that we do. We talk about Christmas lights, Christmas reenactments. Churches are renting camels and all these other things to say, and that's a good thing to actually say, look, this is what Christmas is about to tell the story. But if we don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that Christmas only led to the time of we call Easter, a death on a cross, a burial and a resurrection, we've missed the entire story. You can't tell part of the story and have a full gospel. Should have been a big amen right there. Let me say it again. You can't tell part of the story and have a full gospel. Amen? We must tell the whole story that Christmas is about. Christmas is, really, if you think about it, it is a judgment day on humanity. God finally came into this world. We sing the song, Emmanuel, God with us. We sing it over and over again. Does that not scare you, as we would say when we were kids? Does that not freak you out? Does that not take your mind to a whole other level that God came from heaven to earth? And when he came, he said, he would, the, remember, the, usually the boy, especially the boy, would be named after his father many times, especially the firstborn. Gabriel came to Mary and said his name is going to be Jesus. Gabriel came, well, an angel, we believe, assume it's Gabriel, came to Joseph and said his name is going to be Jesus. By the way, what was his name? Because it was the plan of God. Jesus means Savior. Yeshua, Joshua, same as the Old Testament Joshua. He was the one who, to save. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that he is coming to save his people from their sins. Anybody been saved from your sins? That makes me one of his people. Amen? That makes you one of his people. Doesn't that feel good that actually God came here, scary thing, in the very presence of God. He yet yielded some of his, whatever he could actually his being that we would not strike, be stricken dead or fall down dead before him. Even when we just sang one of the Christmas songs, we talked about bowing our knees before angels. Every time if a human bowed before an angel, an angel said, get up, I'm not the Christ. An angel throughout scripture would say, get up. We don't bow our knees before angels. We bow our knees before God of gods. Amen? We bow our knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ever see the angel of the Lord and somebody bows before the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's a pre-incarnate Christ. Because if the angel doesn't say get up, then it's talking about God. 
Okay, just use that as a rule of thumb. But if it's an angel, an angel will quickly say, hey, get up. Don't worship me. Don't worship me. I'm just a messenger sent from God. Get up. So if they don't get up, you know you're talking about a reference of God himself. So let's read together. And then John chapter 19, pick it up in verse 31. And I want to give you some other go along with the scriptures today. We'll look at one. We won't have time, but let me read this, and then I'll give you the go along with the scripture scriptures. All right, verse 31. Therefore, so what is the therefore, therefore? You had to go back last week and the week before to find out what it's there for. We don't have time today, so you need to go back and read or get the message or get the notes or listen to it online. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. Now, these words mean something, not necessarily to us that aren't Jewish people, but we'll, I'll briefly take a snapshot of this. And John always, if you look throughout his book, he's telling us how the festivals of the Jews tie into the very meaning of what God's trying to tell us about himself or what God's trying to tell about his people. Verse 32. So we see that the, the, the Jews, that's the Jewish leadership, by the way, asked Pilate that the criminal's legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came, broke the legs of the first and of the other who were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already, what does your Bible say? Dead. Did Jesus die? That's a question people ask. Did he die? 100%. But let me tell you something. I got some good news for you in just a moment. This is really good stuff. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. There's so much in this passage. We could be here for quite some time, but we're going through it all today. Verse 35, And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you might, what does your Bible say? Believe. For these things were done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And another, again, another Scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. Verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, and that's the Jewish leadership, because he was a Jew himself, so he wasn't afraid of himself. So when you see, because of the fear of the Jews, remember, it's the Judaizers are the leadership of the Jews. So don't get it mixed up that all the Jewish people are these evil people. Uh, it's the leadership. And there is many unbelieving evil people in leadership here at this, during this time. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and he took the body of Jesus, meaning he took it down from the cross, and he's taken it to a garden, which is nearby, the Bible says. Verse 39, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen, with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Verse 41, Now in the place... Where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden is a new tomb. In the, in the garden was a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews. Preparation day for the, the tomb was where was the tomb to crucifixion? It was nearby. So make sure we got this we got this order in, in, in our mind, and and let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today, that we can actually read your word, Lord. Even even the process in the days that we. We go through and look at the preparation day. It's something we don't do today. And Passover is not something we traditionally celebrate, except that we celebrate the Passover lamb. You, our Lord Jesus Christ, dying for us. Give us better understanding. Let us see your word. 
Uh, Lord, as it applies to our lives, and Lord, as it applies to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you, let me give you some scriptures. Matthew chapter 27, if you write this down, Matthew 27, verses 45 through 61, there's more detail that Matthew gives. Matthew being a tax collector, he'll give you some more dot your I's and cross your T's. Then also, if you go to Mark, Mark 15, Mark 15, verses 33 through 47, Mark's kind of the ADHD disciple. He's kind of all over the place. He just fills in data. And most people believe that Mark got a lot of his information from Peter, the Apostle Peter. But he also got it from the Holy Spirit. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the truth. So Mark 15, 33 through 47. And then we also see in Luke 23, this is Dr. Luke. He'll tell you some more graphic details. He'll, t- he'll pick out things that John would leave out. Because John's trying to get you to focus that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the Passover lamb. He's trying to get your attention saying, listen, this is the one because it ties into a festival day. Old Testament promises being fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. So Luke 23, verses 44 through 56. Well, go to your notes if you would. Humanly speaking, we talk about this, this is how we speak, right? We refer to the events of the cross as a tragedy, although the event was actually the perfect plan of God. Scripture had to be fulfilled. That's why I told you there is no just Christmas and just Easter in the Bible. It is all the plan of God. You ever seen a rainbow from beginning to end? Anybody ever seen a double rainbow where you go, wow, I can see the entire rainbow? And we can't always see the entire rainbow. We can see bright ones. We can take pictures of them. We see them at waterfalls after a rain and storm. But it's nothing like seeing the entire bright rainbow that we can actually see from, it's like from coast to coast. If you ever seen a beautiful one? Anybody have that vivid imagination in your mind? And all those days it rains and you're looking for the rainbow and there's just a little fading of blue or orange or yellow, whatever the color you might see. You're like, man, I, I wish I could see the whole thing. You ever, you ever been there and said that? Or as a kid, we always want to get to the what? Pot of gold. We want to get to the other side of it because there's some money. There's a leprechaun and some money on the other side. Coins, wherever that thing is. So did you ever chase after rainbows when you were kids? I would secretly try to sneak off and see if the rainbow ended somewhere in the woods, but it, it was always too far away. It never got to the pot of gold. But as we see the rainbow, we as Christians look at the rainbow and we say, well, the rainbow's been stolen today by the LGBTQ and all the other letters that want to join up and be against God, right? It's just, just, it's just the people against God is who they are, whatever letter they use. Because God has come clear in every letter they use that he's against that. Is that true or not? In his word, now you don't have to agree in society, but in his word has God agreed with, disagreed with every letter that's in the LGBTQ and all the other letters? Has God disagreed with those letters and that behavior? It's, he calls it sin. That's why we have Christmas. Judgment had come upon sin. Romans chapter 1, you can read for yourself. You can read in 1 Corinthians. God has called out those sins by name and any other name uh, that we do is sin. Somebody said, well, my sin's not as bad as that sin. God's not in the business of measuring sin. God just says sin is sin. And that all those sins he put on Christ that day, this day that we're reading about, Jesus was nailed to a cross. Now, there's some good news. But let me tell you some bad news. You have to be careful, especially in our society, but really and truly in every society. There's never been the good old days as everybody looks back on, right? We talk about the good old days. Well, some kids are going to look back because it's going to get worse in the future. The Bible is very clear. Perilous times are coming. Now, they're here. But some of our children will look back and say, when I was a kid, I remember we used to get to do all this. We used to go wear jeans with holes all over them, everywhere, right? We, we used to wear, we used to pierce our nose like a hog 
and just think it was beautiful, right? We used to pierce our eyeballs. I went to Sam's last night. Somebody had their whole gums. The lady checked me out. All of her above her teeth were pierced. I'm like, how in the world? She goes, it wasn't too bad. I'm like, you got a high pain tolerance or you were extremely under some influence of something that made you do all this piercing. Piercing tongues. Saw one kid pierced here, had a chain all the way through. And, I, and my nature is just to, I just want to touch it and pull it. Just, I just want to just see if it pulls, right? So uh, we look back and, and every culture, every, every generation has something different. It's something strange or exciting or good or bad. But everybody looks back and says, how many of you have ever said it? Well, back when I was a kid, those were the good old days. Anybody ever, everybody ever said, raise your hand if you ever said that. Look around, young people. They, they say it. They talk about the good old days. Running barefoot through the, through the woods. They don't talk about the thorns and the nails and the snake bites and the bee stings and all the poverty and everything they put up with. It's always the good old days. We, it gets better the further we get away from those days, right? Because really and truly, those days weren't that good if you look back. You can have a happy childhood, a sad childhood, whatever, but... As we look back, these religious rulers, even in, during Jesus' day, these are supposed to be the men who have been trained. These are the men who are the religious leaders. They're not just religious leaders. They're also political leaders, so they have a combine because in the Old Testament there was a theocracy. They were under the leadership of God. God says, listen, I'm not going to give you the king that you asked for. I am your king. I am your king. I told you what to do. I told you what not to do. And the people cried, we want to be like them. Give us a king. And that's how the kings started in Israel. And then, then we have priests and we have prophets. We have all these different men that are speaking. A prophet would hear from God and speak to the people and say, Thus saith the word of God. And then the people would speak to the priest and the priest would speak back to God and say, Thus saith the people. Even though God heard, but God gave those people that were in between so we could actually hear from God in a way that his holiness would not strike us dead when we heard from him. The people of the Old Testament. So we look back and say, what good days that must have been, that God was with them, he walked with them. But what did they do? Over and over, as they had leadership and as the people did their own thing and they were blessed abundantly by God, abundantly by God. God promised them, I'm going to send rain when it needs to be raining. I'm going to send the crops. I'm going to let your, your cows have uh, a re, a reproduce cattle. I'm going to let your sheep, he went down this whole list, if you just obey me, do what I say to do, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to win your wars for you. You're going to be at peace. And everyone's like, yeah, that's what we want, right? That's what we are because we want to suck every blessing God has to give, right, into my life. But when it's time to give back, what do we do? We do it today, right? I, I told you what Derek told me, the percentages of 25% of our people in Town Creek Baptist Church tithe. 25%. Now, have I ever preached about giving to the Lord? Yes, I have, because the Bible talks about it, right? I speak about it, but I don't go pick it out and it's put it in front of you all the time because, listen, whose responsibility is it for you to actually pray? Whose who's responsibility? It's not my, I'm, not, I'm not here to pray for you, right? You have to learn how to pray. We've, we've had classes. We've had a class. I was taught for several weeks, probably a couple months, teach us how to pray. You know how many people came? About 10 people. Well, preacher, I, don't, I can't pray out loud. Don't, don't ask me to pray in public. Listen, grow up. This is the Lord Jesus Christ we're talking to and about. I'm going to demonstrate to you. When I go to him, I'm not talking to you. I don't care if you're listening or not listening because I'm having a conversation with him. I'm talking with him, and he speaks with me. I believe every prayer that's ever been prayed, every prayer that will be prayed in the future, the answer to your prayer is right here in God's Word. 
People bite their fingernails. They stay up at night, can't sleep, wondering why in the world. Listen, why in the world is God not answering my prayer? And he's saying, I'm waiting on you to get into the word. I've already answered. I've already told you what to do. He said, my name's not in the Bible. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But your answer is right here in the word of God. The answer comes here before it comes out here visibly. Because what happens is every time we receive a blessing, just like these people, just like these Jewish leaders, they will take it for granted if we're not careful. Watch what they did. The Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of the crucified men to remain on the cross during the high holy days, or I should have said days, but especially referred to as the preparation day. They were so maliciously, and I use that word intentionally, they were so maliciously religious that they asked Pilate to break the legs of the crucified and take down their bodies. Hey, you can't mess up our Sabbath. You can't mess up our preparation day because it messes with our religion. Now, we've, we did ask you to crucify that man, and we, didn't, we um, announced that we want it done now, but now that you've crucified him, clean that mess up, break their legs. Can you imagine the preachers gathering together, all the preachers going to the judgment hall and asking the judge and the, the one who's actually bringing about the execution, hey, could you go ahead and shoot them now because we've got church tomorrow? Shoot them before church because we don't want our people to see all that bloody mess. So if you would, just, just hurry up and make it as painful as possible so they'll suffocate and die so that we can clean that mess up and we can have church tomorrow. Could you imagine? That's what they were asking. The religious rulers, those who are supposed to have compassion on those even being that, that are being executed, they've come in their place, they're in their nice robes, they've already yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They're dying on the cross. Jesus is who they're after. And those two thieves on the left and right of him, they were serving the same consequences. But they earned it. Jesus was perfect with no sin. And those religious rulers said, hey, can you step it up? They're not dying fast enough. Just snap their legs because, as you know, they would nail them to their wrist or their hands, and one nail would be crossed over like this, and they would run a nail through their legs so that when they would have a small pedestal, they could push up and breathe and then start to suffocate and bleed out. They wanted them to actually break their legs so they could not push up and that their lungs would fill up with blood and that they would actually die quicker because they got a preparation day to come and they got a church service coming up that they want that ugly mess off the road. Isn't that crazy to think about? These are the unbelieving Jewish leaders who ask for this specifically. Break their legs so they'll die and then take them down because we don't want to see that mess. Well, here's the good news. This is kind of awesome. If you look at Scripture, at Pilate's command, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. When they came to Jesus, he was already, what did your Bible say? Dead, therefore they did not break his legs. And by the way, let me just tell you this morning. Jesus was in charge. I'll say this three or four times. Jesus was in charge of his coming, and Jesus was in charge of his death. And Jesus is in charge of his resurrection. They did not kill Jesus. Now, we say as human, they, the Romans murdered Jesus. We say the Jews murdered Jesus. And we say, we murdered Jesus. Really, we killed him. But that's not true. Jesus allowed himself to die for your sins and for mine. Our sins is what killed Christ. He accepted that burden to bear your awful, ugly sins on himself that day. And he died when he said it's time to die. Amen? Because remember the prophecies I gave you there in Exodus 12, 46 and Numbers 9, 12. Psalm 34, 20, the Passover lamb's bones could not be broken, and Jesus is our Passover lamb. So they could not break his bones because God had said they will not break his bones a thousand years plus before this. 
Amen? Go look at those scriptures for yourself. You could not break his bones because God said you're not going to break his bones. Not a bone of his would be broken. John even emphasizes that. Look at, if you would, back to scripture real quick. Look at verse 36. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. John's like, listen, John's got his chest puffed out. He hates that Jesus has been crucified. That's his Lord. That's his Savior. That's his friend. That's his master. And yet he's saying, listen, this had to happen because the Bible said God has already spoken years before that his bones would not be broken. Church, today, his bones were not broken. Aren't you glad God's in charge of everything? Some scholars, some really intellectual people have said, there is no way to talk when you're on the cross because you're, you're suffocating, right? When you see the thieves speaking, and there's, especially there's no way to cry out. When the Bible says Jesus cried out, there's no way to cry out because your voice is almost gone. Yes, they beat him, humanly speaking, as we would say, to death. With his insides coming out. But he was even in charge of his own body functioning. Did you know that? God was in charge of God's body. There is no way for him to die until he says it's time to die. No matter amount of whips, nails, crown, thorn, thorns of crowns, no matter mocking, spittings, hitting with the, uh, a scepter, no matter what they did to him, they could not kill him until he said it's time to die. That should have been a big amen right there. Listen, he's in charge of his own death. It was God who assigned the time of his death. He said, when I'll die. That's why his legs are not broken, because they're still breathing on both sides of him. But Jesus has already said, okay, I'm checking out, because Scripture has to be fulfilled. Jesus never violated Scripture. Amen? So they, they didn't know what to do. What did they do? We see in the notes. They impale him. One soldier impaled Jesus with his spear, and immediately blood and water came flowing out of his body. Now that's a sermon all by itself. The flow of the blood of Jesus. So many people said, let's don't talk about the blood. Because the blood makes me sick to my stomach. This cross business makes me sick. So many people reject the cross. They want to reject the blood. They just want a good, cuddly God. They want one of those like, stuffed teddy bear gods, right? One you can hug and one that loves me and I love him back when I want to, only at certain hours or when I'm ready. That's the kind of God that people want to serve today. They want to be very religious, just like these Jewish people. And listen, there's going to be a lot of people in hell that said, well, I said God was my Savior too. I believed in Jesus. But they had a head knowledge. They did not accept him as their Lord and Savior. There's going to be so many Baptists in hell come that day, right? So many Presbyterians, name your denomination, they're going to be in hell because they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. That's the people that are sitting in church. They want to be on all the committees. They want to be chairman of this. They want to be bishop so-and-so. They want all the titles that are associated with mankind. So you have to look to me, and you have to look up to me, and speak to me like I'm somebody special. And then when you speak to me like I'm somebody special, typically they speak back down to you like you're nobody special. And I want to tell you today, we're all equal in the face of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed for every single boy, girl, man, or woman. Doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter your background, your socioeconomic status. We divide, we divide, we divide, especially in America and around the world. We divide each other in groups. Do we not? And God's constantly trying to bring us together under the foot of the cross. Christmas is about the cross. The virgin birth is about the cross. The cross is about the death of Jesus Christ. And we'll see the burial of Jesus Christ 
But that's just the beginning. It's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we today as Christians serve a living Lord. Our God is alive. We're talking about and singing to a God who lives, who reigns, who has all authority in heaven and earth. That's the God that we serve today. Amen? Well, ten of us do. All right, listen, the rest of you can sit, and I don't know what's going on with you. But listen, this is exciting stuff. If this doesn't crank your tractor, I don't know what will. Amen? Listen, this is the stuff that we talk about that gets us ready to, I want to start throwing just air fists in the air, pumping for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not Pentecostal. I've been several times to a Pentecostal church, but it makes me want to take off running. And I have seen them walk the top of pews, and i got to be honest, I practice at nighttime sometimes up here, just in case the Lord does get a hold of me. Just uh, That's why those are a little bit uh, shiny through there, because I take my shoes off, but I'm just kidding, I don't. Yo, listen, this should get us so excited. Christmas, this is what Christmas is about. Not stinking poinsettias. Poins- listen, we, we get these Mexican poisonous flowers up here, and we call it beautiful. And they are pretty because God made them, but they're poisonous. But it's part of Christmas. Look at even the fake greenery. Look in the windows. There's poinsettias all over the place. We, we talk about the beauty of Christmas. We have lights and trees. You know the tree we should be talking about at Christmas is that old rugged cross at Christmas. That's what we need to be talking around the dinner table. When your family comes in, talk about, oh, yeah, your tree's pretty, but let me tell you about the old raggedy tree. Let me tell you about the old ugly rugged cross tree. Because that tree is where our Savior died for our sins. He took on the sins of all mankind that day. He did die. He really did die. And it was your sins and my sins that put him on that cross. But he decided when he was going to die because he took on those sins. And listen, the Lord, God, he turned his back on his own son. Because God can see no sin. The Bible says he became sin for us. Does that make any sense? All the stuff you ever have done and ever will do, sinful stuff, God placed on Jesus. He judged his own son that day for you and for me. That's what Christmas is all about. John emphasizes, look at your notes. He emphasizes his eyewitness truth of the events of the cross of Christ. Being led by the Holy Spirit, he recorded the event of, for all humanity, the sacrifice of our Savior so that, he might, so that we might believe, so that you might believe. He wanted everyone to believe. These are written that you might believe. This is why I'm sending my time writing this stuff down, that you might believe. And he's going to say it again in chapter 20. These are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And some of you say, I don't believe. You're just like the Jewish leaders. You're going to have pomp and circumstance. You have religion, but you're going to hell. That's, that should be something that faces you in the mirror. When you look in the mirror to brush your teeth, comb your hair, whatever you do, you should look in the mirror and listen, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, you're going to hell. You say, well, I have doubts sometimes. You can have doubts on some of those days, right? There's bad days you go, God, am I really, is all my stuff put together, my P's and Q's, everything in order? And what does the Lord do? Let's go back to the Word. What does it say? If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, right? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's a future tense if you do it. So once you do it, listen, how many times did Jesus die on the cross? How many times must you be saved? It's a once and done. He will not die over and over and over again just to satisfy you or your religion. Amen? He died once and for all. For anyone who will believe, anyone who will trust Him as their Lord and Savior, then and only then can you be saved. And the Bible says He sends the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to live within inside of you that you may walk 
daily, Monday through Sunday. You may walk every day with he in you and you in him so that the two of you are becoming one, just like Jesus prayed in John 17, that we would be one like God the Father and Son are one. Can you imagine God prayed that for you and for me? That we would be one with him. Whatever he says, whatever I have, what you want, what you need. Whatever God has, I have. And whatever I have, you have. He reaches in his pockets. What do you need? Lord, I need a miracle. Okay, let's go. Let me hear. What, does he already know what you need of, have need of? And does he ever meet just your need? He always goes beyond your need. This is the God we serve. This is the God we call our Father who art in heaven. This is the one we say, hallowed be your name. This is the one we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? Is heaven got chaos going on? Does earth have chaos going on? It might be because Christians aren't praying. It might be because we don't care anymore. We're just satisfied looking at CNN or whatever Newsmax or whatever Fox News, whatever you look at that, that mess, and you go, my, 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 look at that mess. What a mess that world we have. Or you might go to family December 25th meal together, right? Look at the commercials on TV. It's all about the family being divided. There's one about money. The guy's talking about money, and mama's mad. She's cutting the turkey, and she, everybody leaves the table because they're mad. Listen, Jesus brings us together, those that belong to him. The world tears us apart. If you're confused today, that's not from God. Confusion is of the devil only. Jesus brings unity, and he brings, listen, he brings peace that passes understanding because he is the prince of peace. Well, look at your notes. Jesus had authority over his own death. He died so that scripture may be fulfilled. Jesus never violated scripture. I told you, I'll tell you that more than one time. Jesus never violated scripture. Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, Matthew tells us, Luke tells us, Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. Matthew says that the centurion comes to him and says, you can have his body. So Pilate didn't just come and talk to them directly. He sent his men, if you will, his, his commanders, his centurions. But listen, how would you like to be known forever and a day in the scripture? Joseph, fill in your name. Whatever your name is, a secret disciple of Jesus. What a cruddy title. It means he wouldn't stand up. He liked his money and he liked his prestige more than he liked following the Lord. Hey, I, I'm a Christian too, but I just don't tell anybody because people might not shop in my store no more. I might not get that promotion, or I might offend somebody. Listen, I want to tell you clearly today, when you say Merry Christmas, Jesus is the only way to heaven, you offend everybody who's not going to heaven and everybody who believes a different way. We have an exclusive claim that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. That's exclusive. And yet so many people will say, well, I, I believe in a God of love. Pastor, I don't, I don't believe it. The people are going to hell. Well, you're dumb as a rock because you don't believe what the Bible says, right? Even the rocks said they were getting ready to cry out when Jesus came through. And Jesus said, if you don't praise me, if they don't praise me, the rocks are ready to praise me, right? And then if you look at the, res the crucifixion, when he died, it gets dark. They were all of creation. The Bible says even the rocks split open. I think they were so busting full with praise going, right, the power. They finally got to sing their song because Matthew records that the rocks cracked open. There was an earthquake. Even the earth cracks open. The veil of the temple gets torn in half. And y'all, the temple was this thick goat skin woven together. There was no man, even tractors probably couldn't pull it apart if you tied them on the other side of each other. 
Nothing could tear that thing in unless it was super powerful. And the Bible says God tore the veil right down so that he exposed the Holy of Holies. And listen, there's a new day in Christianity, right? There's a new day in religion. Now everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord has direct access to the Holy of Holies. Isn't that good to know? So when you pray, when you, you have direct access, you talk directly to the Father. You have access to the Father through the Son. And if you mess up your words and mess up your prayers, the Bible says the Holy Spirit interprets for us and says, this is what he meant. This is what he's saying. And when the devil accuses you, God says, I paid for that. Jesus' blood paid for that. Jesus said, I paid for that. Look at Clint Smith. Look to him. Jesus paid for that. Put your name in there. Every time he accuses you, the Bible calls the devil an accuser. Jesus steps in and says, paid for that. I'm your advocate. I'm your lawyer, and he's never lost a case. Amen? He's never lost a case. All right, here we go. Here's another secret man. I, saw, I, I haven't wanted to call him something else. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, also came. He and Joseph wrapped Jesus' body in linen and burial spices. They closed the tomb with a stone. Could you just go back to John chapter 3? I know that's been a long time ago, almost a year ago we were there. Does it seem that long? It does to me. Go back to John chapter 3 real quick. Let's look at this. This is the same Nicodemus. He comes in John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. What was he in your Bible? He's one of the Jewish rulers. Now watch this. Jesus even knows more about him than Nicodemus lets on. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which that means teacher, we know that you are of God, you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs, that's healing the blind, raising the dead, making the deaf hear, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. What was he calling him? He wasn't just giving him a compliment. He was saying, listen, you can't do these miracles unless God is with you, meaning God in you. God just can't show up and do miracles. Watch this. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't say thank you, kind words, Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. You're not coming to heaven unless you're born again. Well, that's offensive, right? Nicodemus is trying to be politically correct. He's probably put all of his nice, pretty robes on. I'm a ruler, and you're going to talk to me like that? I'm an old man. Show me some respect. Jesus just blows out because he's God. Who deserves more respect, a religious ruler or God himself? Remember that, you, what you just said. It's going to come back to haunt you this week for you, with your boss and with those around you saying, oh, I don't believe that Jesus stuff. I don't believe this Merry Christmas stuff. Stand for Christ when no one else is standing. Speak a word for your Lord because who's more important, your boss or God? Speak a word for him this week. Speak a word for him next week. Don't let anybody use his name in vain. Don't let anybody curse around you the name of our God. Speak to them. Everybody talks about speak the power. Speak to the power. Amen? Because it's the power of God. That's what the gospel is unto salvation. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Let's hurry up because time's a waste and we're running out. Watch this. Nicodemus, verse 4. He smarts off to Jesus, I believe. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What a dumb question to ask God Almighty. Would you agree? How can a grown man go back up to his mama? That's a vulgar, ignorant, stupid question. Would you agree? Would you agree? Watch what Jesus says, verse 5. 
Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, that means if your mama gave birth to you, that's who you are. You're born a sinner. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Holy Spirit has to renew your heart. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, here he goes. How can these things be? How? And he said it with doubt. Verse 10, Jesus entered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify that what we have seen or you do not receive our witness. Who's he talking about? We and our. Somebody, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God himself is telling you the truth and you don't believe. How many times every Sunday do preachers preach the gospel? They preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet so many people, you might be you or someone else you know, listen every Sunday and yet they still will not believe because of the hardness of their heart. Every time you hear the gospel, your heart gets a little bit harder. Every time you hear the gospel, instead of getting softer, it gets harder because you say, I know the truth. Man, if I go down, everybody in this church thinks I've been saved. I've been the deacon. I've been this. I've been that. And everybody thinks, listen, I'm saved already. If I go forward now, I'm messed up because I'm going to be embarrassed. Listen, I'd rather be embarrassed and go to heaven than not be embarrassed and go to hell, wouldn't you? Amen. Listen, listen, it's the truth from Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. Jesus was buried in Joseph's family tomb. Go back to John 19. He was buried in Joseph's family tomb. This tomb had never been used for burial. Jesus only borrowed the rich man's burial place in the garden because he planned to stay there three days. Amen? Three days. Amen? Y'all, y'all, come on. Y'all missing the story. Y'all are either asleep, hungry, or something. Listen, this is the bread of life right here. Listen, he only borrowed the tomb. And guess what Jesus did when he died on the cross? It's the same thing that happens to you and me. Same thing your Bible splits. If you go to Matthew chapter 1, hold that right there, Matthew chapter 1. Whether you have a study Bible or not, go to Matthew chapter 1. What's the, what's the page right before Matthew chapter 1 in your Bible? Mine does this. It says, y'all see it? It says Old Testament, and over here it says New Testament. So listen, Jesus had to be buried among the wealthy. The Bible prophesied, Isaiah 53 and other scriptures say, he was going to die among the criminals like the wicked, yet he'd be, be buried among the wealthy. It didn't happen in any culture. If you're a criminal, you get ditched out where criminals get ditched out when you die. If you're wealthy, you got buried with the wealthy. But the Bible says both. He would die with the criminals, be buried with the wealthy. And here he is in a rich man's tomb that he only borrowed. But listen, the tomb was new, and I think that's a picture of all things that Jesus was a part of after his death, burial, and resurrection. There was a new tomb. He created a new testament. When you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, behold, all things become new. You're not the same person. If you're just like you used to be in high school, if you're guys, if you're still a playboy like you used to be back in high school, ladies, if you're still a prima donna like you used to be in high school, something's wrong with your spirit. Something's wrong with your heart. You might not have never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm not saying having some of the ways because your character is your character, but it should be improving day by day, becoming more and more like Christ. Amen? There's people that like, I just, I just, I just, you know, I, I read my Bible sometimes. I go to church sometimes. Listen, the Bible says forsake not yourselves assembling yourselves together. 
So Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, the Bible tells us clearly. That's why we gather. That's why we gather no matter what, right? Rain, it's about to pour down rain, they said. Let it come because the rain brings life. All good gifts come from the Father above, what James tells us. Let's finish together. Jesus perfectly carried out the will of God. Amen? Jesus is the victor over death, hell, and the grave. Here's a question for today. Look at the two questions at the bottom of your notes. Have you rejected the blood and cross of Jesus? Yes or no? Only you know the what you and God. And then we come through, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So listen, we should say so. Would you agree? And that's just talking about the word so. That's talking about telling everybody you know, listen, about the love of Jesus Christ. When somebody says, Merry Christmas, just stop and say, do you know what that means? And then go and tell the story of Christmas, the virgin birth. Well, I just can't believe in a virgin birth. I think if you, if you can't believe in the virgin birth, you can't be, believe in salvation because you've got a tainted Satan. But I also believe if you can't believe in the great creation in Genesis 1, you can't believe in John 1 because you have a Savior who creates all things, a creator God. You say, well, Pastor, I struggle with those scriptures. I'm going to be 100% pure and plain with you. That's between you and the Lord. You're not reading them in faith. You're reading them as a judge and jury. You're trying to actually be yourself or listen to some podcast that you listen to and you're judging the Word of God based on what some dipstick expert says. Who are you going to listen to, a a dipstick expert or God? Listen, even preachers, we get it wrong sometimes. Did you know that? Preachers make mistakes. Theologians make mistakes. We're sinful men. And listen, we've been made new, but we sometimes don't have a full understanding of what the Word of God says. Who has a full understanding of the Word of God? the very God who spoke the word. So anytime you're in doubt, don't go to a preacher, go to God. Now a preacher should be able to help you, a teacher should be able to help you, your father and your mother should be able to help you in the word of God, but if you're in doubt, run to the throne of God and say, I don't understand. Would you give me understanding? And guess what his answer always is? Yes. He wants you to know him and he wants you to enjoy life with him forevermore. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of Christmas. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you today that, Lord, that you give us the ability, frail, human, weak beings, to sing songs to you, to pray prayers to you, to speak with you, to read your word and understand it because you give us the Holy Spirit inside of us to comprehend your word when we give our heart and life to you. Lord, just like the rain is supposed to come today, we can wait for it and say, well, that's, a man said it's going to rain, and Lord, you can hold off or let it come. We're always in the guest mode when it comes to life, unless we know the giver of life. Father, I pray for everybody that's in this room today, those that are watching by Facebook or YouTube sometime today or tomorrow or in the future, that they would settle with you, that they know, that they know, that they know they've given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Let today be the day of salvation for that person doubting and wondering. No more tears, no more anxiety, Lord. Knowledge of knowing that what you said in your word is true. You really did die on the cross, but you controlled that. You really did, Lord, use someone else's grave. You were buried in a grave three days. Lord, you really did come from the grave. That God Almighty raised you from the grave. You controlled everything about your life and death and resurrection. That's the God we serve who has all authority in heaven and earth. 
But Lord, today, if somebody's unsure, scared, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would settle it once and for all. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the virgin birth. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. Lord, I bless your holy name in the presence of your people and our friends today. In Jesus' name, amen.